Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, uh, hello, and welcome to the Driving Mall Show here on Monday evening at 8 p.m. That's right. You can get your rugby fix at 8 p.m. every single um, Monday, um, every single week, 52 weeks a year. You know, we even do pre-recorded shows for Christmas Days and New Year's Day. So, hey, um, you can always um, rely on us. We're here for you all the year round. And um, we did have Stephen to join us, but he's just got him dropped off. So I don't know where he's gone. Um, as you can see, folks, yes, we are part of the... Uh, uh, one of these remote working kind of crowds. We don't have our own um, studios and offices. Um, we do it. Uh, we, 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 we've been working from home for years. Um, so, yes, we're used to it. Um, and, uh, oops, and uh, Boa joins me. How are you doing, sir? Very well. Like I said, the most look forward to time of my week is being on the show. Great weekend of rugby. Really excited. Great to be back. And nice to see you, Paul. And wherever you are, folks joining us, I hope you had a good weekend. Oh, see, so he's sort of a gentleman. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Hope, hope you enjoyed your rugby. Hope you had a good weekend. Yeah, yeah let's get on. No, he's like, oh, he's welcoming you all in. Oh, he's such a gent. Um, and uh, another gentleman to join the show um, is Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Eventually, <clears throat> eventually made it. Uh, Paul Mario, Namaharu Maya, Kitiwiki o Teo Maori, Paul Mario, Paul Rawa Koboa. Great to be on the show. Thank you very much. The um, I I struggle just saying names, so there's no chance you're going to get that out of me. I'm afraid I will. Uh, I, I do need to learn though. Um. <laughs> I just I just I just thought being uh, your Te Reo Maori language week would be a good good thing to throw in. No, I I I, I love it personally, and um, yeah, and uh, it's uh, but some um, anyone who's seen the uh, counties video, um, you'll see that some. Um, I'm a bit like the uh, the guy in that one who's the uh, who's, who's the European guy who who likes to make an effort who likes to try, um, but um, yes makes a, makes a hand fist of it for the first twenty times, um, but so, yeah, he, he did well in the end. He did well in the end. Um, and Steve, um, friend of yours, Paul, I was about to say somewhere in the year 2050 that the Australian NRL commentators will be able to say Pacific Island and Maori names. So I'm 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 hoping that I'll still be alive when the next. <laughs> <laughs> I could be look. There, there are new. That, that, that's a new, a new part of the whole rugby league culture. Clearly, is uh, is these names. <laughs> um, yeah, a bit, bit, bit of uh, awareness and education. And 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 Steve, uh, speaking of uh, Te Reo Maori language week, um, I think yeah, there's there's uh, certainly a heightened sense of awareness and uh, just bumping into people on a daily basis uh, in colloquial terms, I think there is a real sense of awareness and people wanting to express themselves in Tereo, which is a fantastic thing to see. Um, and I think it's starting to creep into daily life uh, in not so much what I would call uh, intentionally wanting to go into it, but it's starting to become second nature, which is you know a, a great sign of... Uh, seeing how Tereo is becoming part and parcel of uh, New Zealand lifestyle, which is fantastic. Yeah, and listen, even the code that we're celebrating or talking about this evening, uh, uh, Futiparo or rugby, as 
as we know it, we we know that there's a real <clears throat> a theme behind uh, some of the provincial teams at the moment. I know Paul and I up in Whangarei yesterday, we heard, we heard the uh, Northland Kauri uh, <coughs> girls uh, singing a, a waiata after they uh, came out came off the paddock and celebrated. And apparently, the, uh, the Northland Tani Farm men did the same thing. So yeah, there's, they're, they're being immersed in culture, and it's uh, it's, it's a good thing. Anything that brings <clears throat> people and and teams together has got to be a good thing. Yep, that's this pass. That 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 that, that, that that's the Northland one. Because, <laughs> <laughs> folks, yes, we did get around a bit. Um, so yeah, so that's um, there's the uh, uh, yeah, I think that's the Waikato one. Um, got the North Harbour one. Um, and um, folks, which one do you think this one is? Go on then, Stephen. You know what it is. Tell tell everybody. I was hoping we'd get somebody from the uh, <clears throat> from the live chat. To come on and oh, the live chat. No, they've uh, not, not yet, not, not yet. One of the things here, folks, is uh, what you might notice is that we pull up things from the um, uh, from the live chat and talk about them. Um, but there's a delay. There's about there's about a twenty second delay between us talking and the live chat happening. Happen, and, and so, um, so yeah, so it's a bit hard doing that. So, so that's why we've never run a quiz um, with the live chat because it would it would be funny with uh, waiting twenty seconds for all the answers. But anyway, yes, um, that's uh, that's County's Manukau. Got the uh, little badge there on the um, uh, on, on the crest on that one, um, which is uh, which is cool to see. Um, so, uh, but some Boa, you were saying that actually those Tasman Aaron really, um, you were saying that these colours are also the same for your um, your club side, and, and yeah, the story behind it. Um, yeah, well, the Manuka Row is uh, based in obviously South Auckland, the heart of South Auckland. Wisconsin uh, Street in Mangare, our home uh, being uh, Williams Park. The color scheme is there's there's a, a, a strong correlation which is shared with counties Manuka. Now I'm not entirely there's uh, there's there's a there's there's a few different variations of the story behind the rover, which is a which is a bird, and the color scheme. Um, you know this gets related after a few beers um, at socials. Uh, whenever the premiers play, so there's there's about six different versions. Uh, so I, I can't really put my finger on which the correct version of the story is, but um, yeah, there you go. Manukau rowers do share the same colours as counties Manukau in the Mitre Ten. Ah, oh, there we go. Um, and uh, talking of Mitre Ten, as you can see, look, look I've shown you my, my media passes. Um, I got a seven games. Um, out this weekend across my across my ten and the uh, Farah Palmer Cup, um, seeing eleven out of the fourteen provinces um, there. So uh, so yeah, just 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 showing off um, a little bit. Uh, and um, but unfortunately, um, we can see Simon's not happy um, because he won't be able to go to the game this weekend because apparently the government has kept um, the levels the same. Now I'll be honest, after seven games in four days in three days, sorry, I've just spent I've just slept today, so I've got no idea. What the government has said about levels, to be honest, um, but um, the um, but uh, what we've seen basically in the games in round one is that um, uh, people can uh, is, look, there are small crowds at the stadium, depending on the size of the stadium and the layout, um, depends on how many they can actually get in because it's groups of one hundred, um, and so what we've seen in some stadiums um, is that they'll have one entrance for 100 people another entrance for another 100 people so if you've only got one entrance to your stadium you can only have 100 people if you've got 10 entrances well and you can keep people apart inside then you can have more um uh, which is what we've seen um because uh Stephen, as we were walking around the northland one yeah there's 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 some there's, um, there's lots of barriers to, to guide people in the right direction aren't there well i was gonna say when i drove to Fongaday, i had four entrances to my vehicle so uh, but i was lucky enough to have only one one person jump in the car, but you did, you did, you did, you did right for. Um, but you know, but you know what? Being being at a game, you can actually still hear those people shouting out really loud. And even some of the live games you were watching, you just knew that there were some local supporters there, and they were making as much noise as they can. Yeah, and while Simon says, yeah, the retro is saying it's not not allowing anyone in. Um, um, that's well. I say that 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 seems to be different to the the, the standard. Seems to be that, that um, it's sponsors and members only. So if you're not a member or a sponsor, uh, you're not going to get in. So yeah, it's it's kind of invite only. 
um, for that. Uh, and a bit like we've seen in Australia, where they've had ballots uh, for their members to to allow tickets into some of the Super Rugby games. Um, luckily, we got through most of the Super Rugby games. We didn't have to do that, uh, and they were and we could have full crowds. But um, yeah, look, it's it's a shame that we have to do it. But it's um, I mean, as um, Aaron Smith made the point during your interview with him at the weekend. Look, uh, this it's, it's the times we're in. Uh, and um, we just, uh, you yeah, know, look, look, it's not just here, it's around the world. Um, and we have to yeah, make the best of, uh, of the situation, um, really. Um, so, yes. Um, talking of, uh, so, um, yeah, actually, Stephen, let's have a quick chat about your, your, your interview with, uh, with Aaron Smith, because, folks, you can, watch, you can watch that interview on our Facebook page, New Zealand Sports Radio. Uh, he, he's one of 19 um, post-match interviews that we did this weekend that's available on there. Um, any uh, so you, you had a good chat with Aaron Smith. He was he was he was very uh, very giving you his time, wasn't he? Very, very much so. And given that he came in a good half hour after the um, uh, players had gone in, into the tunnel, done the you know the ones that had done the immediate commitments, he stayed out for about another 20, 25 minutes doing his own own personal training. So I was I was a bit apprehensive about approaching him. He, he worked up a bit of a sweat, but yeah, he he was fantastic. He he gave me a good uh, five minutes or so, and listen, really, really laid back. And uh, yeah, we spoke. We, we we spoke about not just about the game. He knew exactly when he played last played for Manawa too. But like I say, you'll have to watch that interview to see the rest of uh, of uh, that conversation that we had. But yeah, really spoke really, really frank. A, a good dude. Yeah, and so, but obviously, I've spent some. My entire time in stadium seeing from that point of view. How did how did how have the games looked on TV and how, how's been the, uh, the 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 kind of the atmosphere you get across the TV, um, the the coverage that Sky's been providing? Look, uh, you know when I was when I was watching some of the Super Rugby games initially, it actually did feel a little bit weird. It felt weird because it kind of felt like you were playing in a ghost town. I remember uh, probably ten maybe eleven years ago watching a uh, sevens tournament, which was held in Durban, and it was a similar sort of situation. I think they've had some, um, you know, situations or issues in Durban, and there's hardly anyone in the stadium. Fast forward about, you know, 11, 12 years, and we're in this situation, which they call the new normal. Uh, it is weird. I've been watching a lot of um, sport coming in from Europe, i.e. the uh, football. So I'm sort of getting used to it. It does seem weird. Um, and also, I think it's it's probably going to have an impact on the performance of the players as well. Because, you know, when you don't have a, a, a big crowd and if you've been used to playing in stadiums where it's, you know, full capacity, there's there's lots of noise and it's it's a different feel. But what I what I do have to say is it, it seemingly has had no you know, impact on the performance. And from a spectator's point of view, when you're actually watching really high-quality, high-class rugby, there's hardly any errors, free-flowing rugby, side-to-side, side, you know, all that sort of gets lost and it's secondary and your focus is, you know, high-quality of rugby. So from a spectator point of view, it, it it's really not making too much of a difference. Initially, I have to admit, though, um, looking at some of those empty stands uh, was was you know somewhat apprehensive, but uh, the quality of the rugby has more than made up for the missing crowds. And um, actually, I guess from a, from a TV point of view, I mean, if we think about uh, back back to Waikato last year, the cameras are in the main stand, okay, folks, uh, at, um, at FMG Stadium, and that's the side they commentate from. Uh, and Waikato only opened that stand up for fans last year. They didn't open up the second stand on the other side. So you saw an empty stadium for Waikato games last year, but you could hear the you could hear the crowd in the main stadium, which I guess is the difference: is the sound rather than necessarily the um, the view. Because I think we're used to seeing pretty empty stadiums for a lot of these minor ten cup games. Um, anyway, to be honest, really, um, the. It's interesting um, in the live chat that people saying about about some upsets and things this weekend. Actually, before I get on to that, uh, Ben Darwin, um, the guy um, behind um, Gameline Analytics, and we had an interview with his uh, uh, with his, his business partner in that one. Um, 
on our draw, it was one of our long talks. You can go check that out on New Zealand Sports Radio uh, Facebook page, or you can also listen to that as our podcast. Just search New Zealand Sports Radio on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, or your favorite podcatcher. Um, but one of the things that he mentioned about when doing research and stats on the NRL when they had no fans, um, I think the NRL uh, and, um, and also the the Super Rugby, I think it's the NRL though. He said that the home the the, the home advantage level had dropped um, without crowds. There wasn't as much home advantage. There was still a home advantage, um, but also um, I think it was the thing about it, once teams got behind, they were in real trouble. They didn't. They, teams couldn't raise themselves to sort of come back, um, which was interesting. That that's actually the impact of of not having fans and not having the atmosphere there is actually sometimes once a team. So we had quite a lot of blowouts in the early rounds of the NRL, um, and uh, compared to how we'd normally get. But yeah, once once teams are down, they they tend to be stay down. Um, Stephen, you seem to be a bit skeptical there with your view. Yeah, that's true. Unless you're going to Invercargill on a very wet day in your very first game of the Mighty Ten Cup, because I reckon they ordered in these conditions and they were absolutely perfect. See, that was a good way, good segue into uh, that theory, which kind of gets blown out the window. The, um, <laughs> the uh, yes, oh yeah, plenty of home advantage if you get the weather. Um, there, um, the um, but um, it's supposed to be a summer tournament this year. Look, it's later in the year. We're not supposed to be having wet games. This is one of my key questions during all my pre-season interviews with the with the head coaches was how is the how's the improved weather going to cope with uh, going to be with all the um, with the style of play? Um, and I was going uh, to say, uh, Invercargill is the Riviera of, Riviera of the South, but probably in round about January or February. So it's probably theoretically still winter in uh, September down in Invercargill. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's, there's some fantastic people down there as he backs the truck up a little bit. Um, <laughs> the Riviera or just the river? I mean, it's just uh, the river of the south. <laughs> Riviera, Riviera of the south. <laughs> I guess, guys, I have to say, yesterday, watch it, having, um, you know, I was watching the game. And for me, the, the, the turning point was Jason Rutledge. Boy, when he came on, all of a sudden Southland just they 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 grew a couple of more inches up, and um, you know they they really stage managed that last ten minutes. You know they they really showed a lot of ticker, a lot of heart, and uh, you know great defensive effort. And and you know the Magpies they did have an opportunity right at the death. They did have a scrum, uh, but they they made the the cardinal mistake of attacking uh, pick and go. On one direction, and all of a sudden switching, um, they lost all momentum. There's a turnover out into touch, upset of the round, possibly might be um, ending up upset of the season. Wow! Whoa! Big, big <laughs> statement there. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, the guy um, who sat beside me in, in the vehicle back is, is an absolute genius because he actually picked uh, uh, Southland Southland to win that game. So there you go, and that's 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 a true story, folks. He probably didn't put enough money on it though to get new equipment for uh, New Zealand Sport Radio as he shakes it. But but, but but they're still a hundred to one. So don't forget that, guys, yeah, to, oh, to, to win the minor ten. Yeah. Oh, yeah, to, to win it, to oh. win the, uh, to win the overall championship. Wow, yeah, that you know that that that's odds probably been slashed in half. Where when Jason Rutledge ran on, the average age of Southland was probably 24. The average went out to 28 when he actually ran on the field. So, uh, but in terms, in terms of uh, in terms of what we listened to, it just sounded like it sounded like a really gutsy defensive effort uh, towards the end of the game. So, now credit to the great way to start. Um, Dale McLeod, who we've had on the show, is a, a really good guy and a very good coach as well, who's come through the system. Uh, for, I think it's Sydenham down in, in Christchurch. He was originally with, so he's got he's got a good keen eye for good rugby players. No, they, they are a much improved size. And Turner Wright says they've recruited well um, this season. Uh, they they now are they a side that's going to go on and win the championship and get promoted to the Premiership? No, <laughs> no, they're not. But they, but they're going to be a much tougher prospect than they have been for the past few years, where that what they've won. I think it's their second win in two in three years or something. Um, so yes, it is. Uh, they're not. Um, they're much improved. They're gonna be harder to beat. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're not. They're not trying to suggest they're gonna be um, championship contenders is wrong. 
as as Aaron said, a great afternoon to be a hooker. Um, all four tries were by the uh, by hookers, two to each side. Well, so congratulations to them. Um, beers on the hookers last night, which you don't say very often in a bar. Um, the um, so um, with that one, other games though went went there. I mean, Harbour Harbour lost to Canterbury. We expected that one. Um, Waikato beating Wellington by uh, fifty three points to uh, twenty eight. I mean, half century of points. Um, the highest score in the round by Waikato against Wellington um, semi-finalists last year uh, with a host of All Blacks and Super Rugby players available. Um, that was a bit of an upset um, there. So, I mean, you're talking about the Southland being an upset. I think that was a, um, a potentially a bigger upset there with with with, with that re- result or the size of that result by Waikato over Wellington in dry conditions. Well, Wellington have always struggled whenever they go up to um, travel up to play um, Waikato. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of history there. I haven't got the stats in front of me. Um, but, you know, it was a very entertaining game. You know, the ball was thrown around and, um, you know, both sides, they really expressed themselves. Uh, what I was particularly impressed was that um, Waikato were able to beat up the Wellington counterparts up front. And I think that was all the difference. And, of course, uh, there was that try where Wellington went wide on the right wing. There was a, a pass which didn't go to hand. Damien McKenzie, Johnny on the spot, thief in the night, gets the ball and absolutely smokes everyone. And that was just, you know, simply fantastic to see. So, um, yeah, well, I, I guess the scoreline is, uh, suggests a, a bit of a blow, but, you know, there were, for, for large parts of the game, both teams, you know, they went blow for blow. It was punch, counter punch. Um, you know, Waikato, they just had some class finishers on hand and 50-plus points. Interestingly, they took the penalty right at the death to make sure that they scored half-century. So, interesting. Boa made an interesting point, Paul, because if that pass sticks, Wellington were right in the game. And if you watched all the Waikato team, it was almost like the whole team decided to run down to the goalpost to celebrate with... Um, Damien McKenzie, and you are so right. That was a real big moment, and I actually think that was a turning point. So well spotted. Talking, uh, talking to. Uh, so the, the, whilst um, there are nineteen interviews on the uh, post match interviews on Facebook page, um, I did do twenty one post match interviews, or the or we, or we did. Sorry, Stephen did a couple as well um, there. Um, unfortunately, when I was uh, interviewing Andrew Strawbridge, um, the uh, Waikato head coach, I forgot to hit record. Um, so um, that one isn't available, but you're right. Well, he, he said something similar. He said, "Look, the scorecard might be a statement one, but the performance wasn't. Um, the, the, the game was closer. Way cl- was 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 yeah, much more of a game than the scorecard suggests. Um, and yeah, he, I think he, he he understands he's got a lot to work on there. Um, just so you all know, folks, the the second interview that didn't get to get up there was um, the, was my one with Kieran Reed, where I ran out of space on my phone storage. So yes." Um, Bit of a big one there that we didn't get. Never mind, folks. Um, the uh, Otago going to be beaten by Auckland. Um, obviously, the red card in that one. Yes, it's a red card, folks. I think there's much more to discuss apart from. Uh, actually, no, we should discuss this one because you know what? We have a man who has his who has a whole tackle framework. To oh, stop look, thing happening. Hey, look, that oh. was just you know that was as ridiculous as it got. You know, so 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 the culprit. Sio Tomlinson, you know, that was his third red card in about 375 days. Yeah. Um, guys, at, at that level, at, at that level of high performance, if you have someone who has uh, uh, a system, you know, uh, it's almost like uh, it's symptomatic. You know, he's, he's got real bad technique. He's, he, he leads in with his shoulder and he goes high. You know, that needs to get sorted out. There's just no room in the modern game for that sort of stuff. Um, so, you know, t- t- imagine, guys, getting a red card in the 81st minute of a game. How ridiculous is that? And, of course, uh, the the victim of this whole thing, that that was a nasty shot. I hope he's okay. I, I, was, I was messaging um, one of the Oakland coaches, Craig McGrath, just making, you know, asking him the question, is he all right? And... Um, Fortunately, he is. Um, yeah, look, I've, I've been working on a framework. It's called STF Safe Tackle Framework. That's this uh, little logo here, the man with the red head. 
so basically, what, what, what I've been trying to work on is create a tackle framework where people can engage in the game of rugby union, especially at the senior to elite level, in a safe but effective manner. So one of my key fundamental pillars, uh, obviously safety, but one of the key visual guidelines, if you look at my jumper here, guys, I've got uh, what I call a safe tackle line. It's called STL. So it's just on my sternum and on the side of my biceps. So one of my proposals, which I'm working with NZR, as well as World Rugby at the moment, is to get the safe tackle line on training gear as well as game day um, on your, your match jersey. So what this means is there's a clear-cut guideline when players make tackles, they have to stay south of the safe tackle line. So it's, it's a very simple, very basic uh, innovation. Um, of course, there's a, there's a whole raft of other suggestions as well, which includes an on-field orange card because, you know, Rugby World Cup, so, even before we come in. We can, we, we, it's a, um, those that sent me through a, um, a really good video explaining um, the piece and uh, suggesting how you can get to learn more. So I'll put that up on the Facebook page. Folks, um, one thing I do like about this is it means we're going to have hoops. Let's let's bring hoops back for rugby for rugby jerseys because that's exactly what you get with these lines around. It gives us hoop jerseys, and then uh, yeah, all four hoop jerseys. Um, Stephen, again, you're not to, yeah, um, but then yeah, we we don't want to be taking um, uh, fashion advice from Stephen. Let's be let's let's, let's just be clear here. <laughs> oh dear, I just on just on the tickle side. Totally agree with Boa. You know, Tomkinson actually had time to adjust his line. It wasn't as if it was a late reflex thing. Somebody's ducked in front of you, you've thrown out an arm. He actually, he decided to make that spot from a long way back. And he just got his body height in totally in the wrong place. So it's definitely a, a technique thing. Not only once he comes out of his suspension, and that could be a long one, uh, somebody's got to sit down with this lad and do a little bit of work. Maybe a guy, maybe a guy called Boa Athu can. Uh, Absolutely, look, he's here. he's got to come down, come up to Auckland, STF school two weeks. Um, I'll teach this boy actually how to bend his knees, look up <laughs> with your eyes, and actually get into what I would call a safe position and execute a safe tackle. And of course, um, guys, with, with, with this framework, you, you, what I'm trying to actually achieve is, with, with the current guidelines with World Rugby, with the tackle height framework, um, more likely than not, you will see more red cards because you know the margin of error is a lot lesser and it's, it's, it's very less forgiving. And of course, uh, one key stakeholder uh, in the firing line is the referee. So by having an on-field orange cards, we're actually trying to mitigate having to issue red cards. So it's not going to be fatal. You're not going to see a team being reduced to 14 men for large portions of the game. And of course, by having an on-field orange card, it means it's a mandatory judiciary 48 hours after the game. Yeah, well, we'll, 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 um, we'll agree to disagree on this one because I'm yeah overcomplicating adding more Cards and more and more laws uh, is isn't the way I would like to go personally. Um, but uh, but anyway, we'll move moving on from the tackle. Then yeah, we all agree. Look, Sir Tomkinson is going to have a nice a nice big ban. Um, Ten yeah. games, actually. Uh, Owen Farrell, he they're, they're in the same club. They should oh, be rooming together. They, they should be coming up. I was gonna, I was going to say, if anybody who's watching a game at home and you see a high tackle, the thing to look for is where the tackler is looking. If his head is down, he's actually not looking at where he's, his contact is going to be. And that was the telling factor when we saw the, the action replay. His head was down. So he was never in a position to, to, to actually hit the carrier in a, in a safe position. End of story. And it's interesting that that's actually something that um, the, in the NFL, they really do, do teach his head up and looking the whole time. Um, now, NFL have done some bad things <laughs> around, around tackle technique. Let's be blunt, um, but that's one of the good things. Yeah, they, they do teach. They do teach. Um, and some rugby players do struggle with that uh, when they transit when the one when they've been trying to make um, transitions over there. Um, so after that, Kansas uh, Manukau losing to Tasman 24-21, uh, pretty much expected. Northland beating Manawa 2-43-26. I predicted Northland in this one, um, but. Uh, 
Only 38% of people uh, predicted um, Northland on the old Superbrew. So uh, I'm suggesting that was a bit of an upset as well. Um, Stephen, as a, do you think that was a bit of an upset or do you think that was the, the expected result? Well, I think the concerning thing for Northland, unlike um, Manawatu, who had played a preseason game against Wellington the week before, Northland had it played an internal game, but from what I understood, they ended up banging up about two or three of their players. So I don't know if it did a, it did a lot of good. And that first 20 minutes, quite frankly, they looked like they'd just played an internal trial game before they finally got it together. One, one, yeah, one thing about Northland, once they actually got ball in hand, and they play their style of rugby, which is a little bit loose. It's, it can be broken play stuff, as seen in a lot of the, lot of their tries. Boy, they can, they can punish you. Um, so yeah, so that that's the uh, Taranaki beat Bay of Plenty. I went for Bay of Plenty there. So, um, but seventy one percent people went with uh, Taranaki, so that wasn't an upset. And congratulations on Taranaki for winning the Chiefs Cup off um, off Bay of Plenty um, for that one. Any comments before we get to the because then I'll just wrap up the what you go, boy. Yeah, look, uh, you know, Bear Plenty, I thought they kicked a lot of ball away, and especially when you had the two Barrett brothers, uh, you know, waiting to receive the gifts. That was very, very charitable. And I thought, you know, that's really poor tactics. They should have really, you know, kept ball in hand and um, looked to, you know, force play by way of the forward. So I was very, very surprised to see um, the amount of kicking Bay of Plenty did and uh, paid the price. Mm. Oh, very much so. The interesting stat about that game, probably the smallest venue of uh, all the Monitin Cup venues had the biggest crowd. <laughs> how, how ironic was that? Because obviously people were just standing, it was fenced around and the locals just basically turned up and uh, you could hear the noise coming through the, through the television. I caught up with the highlights last night and it definitely was the biggest crowd. Um, the um, yes, they're, they're not playing in their normal venue um, because of the earthquake issues with that one and it being rebuilt, um, and hence they're um, they're they're in a different venue. And then finally, Southland versus Hawks Bay, which I think we've talked about um, pretty much already. Um, yeah, the biggest upset, only ninety percent of people picked that one, but I did. Um, so, folks, tomorrow I'll be putting out my predictions for round two of the Midas Ten Cup, round three of the Farrah Palmer Cup, the top fourteen, the Gallagher Premiership. Um, and whatever other rugby is on, to be honest with you. Um, so, uh, so yes, that's the um, uh, that's where we'll be um, with um, uh, with with that one. Um, the good point, yeah, there is no there is no um, offside line behind the try line. Um, so yes, um, there were a couple of times when referees this weekend had to uh, have a quick think of what is the law here, such as uh, there was one. At halftime in uh, um, the uh, Northland versus um, uh, gone blank, uh, Northland versus Manor Two, where there's a penalty um, where he kicks to the corner, kicks to the sideline, it bounces and goes out, and they're kind of like, "Oh, hang on, uh, is does that mean he gets the, the we do the line out or we don't?" And so there are a couple of uh, quick checks there that uh, referees had to quickly remind themselves as to what the laws were. But um, hey, it's their first time back at this level as well. So let's let let's forgive them a couple of a couple here and there. Well, we used to we used to have a Minty's moment of the of the of the, the old hard case moment of the rugby weekend. We should, probably should bring that back. Bring that back. It, it was seriously hard case because I think I think um, wise guy Fayani, I think he's found about a whole ten meters because um, I think he was trying to find touch from halfway, kicking towards the far side of the of um, Semenov Stadium, which is into a southerly, and it actually just bounced over the 10-metre line and into touch. And if Manawatu were onto it, they could have just caught it, kicked it into touch, and gone a half-time at uh, 20 to 17 up as opposed to 20, 22, 20 down. So it was probably close to my Minty's moment. Um of the uh, the weekend, guys. Well, I don't know where you're getting into it. We, we used to have a Mickey Mouse moment of the week. That was our on, on the show. Um, you're thinking of a different, uh, different, I'm, a different, I'm, I'm different looking, show. I'm looking for, a, I'm looking for a sponsor here, Paul. Oh, oh okay. Work, 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 work with me. <laughs> hey, Disney could be our sponsor. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> Look, I'm, uh, so um, talking of, uh, of of American big media companies, um, did you see that uh, that Amazon? Have um, bought the rights to the north to the um, uh, the uh, or, the north nation or the uh, sorry the autumn nations nations cup, cup. I think they're calling it, which is the eight team tournament up in uh, uh, up in Europe. 
which involves the Six Nations tournaments plus Georgia and Fiji. Um, and uh, yeah, that's going to be over on um, Amazon, which is going to be interesting to see. Amazon, remember they did a All Blacks um, uh, uh, documentary um, a couple of years ago. Um, so clearly they're slowly dipping their water into the whole, in, into sports media um, side of things. It's going to be interesting to see how that progresses over the future years because um, apparently New Zealand rugby is going to have to renegotiate its TV deal with Sky um, with the uh, and so we'll have to so we'll have to see how that um, pans out. Will they still get a share of Sky? Will they still own Sky uh, or own a small part of Sky as part of that, or will something else happen? We'll have to wait and see um, how um, that one is. Um, so yeah, my understanding is I only have the rights to the UK. Um, yeah, so I, I would expect yeah. Uh, let's be honest. Sports rights sales and and distribution. Um, are, are, are archaic um, and uh, archaic, yeah. And so it's going to take time for people to have global or, or for, for a company to have global rights. Um, so, yes, Amazon um, only have it for one country currently, but um, I think they're, 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 dipping their, they're dipping their toe in and figuring out um, how to do it. So we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that, yes. I expect, yeah, this year, this, they will be on Sky. Uh, in New Zealand, you're quite right um, there, Simon, which is good because I've got Sky and I don't have Amazon Prime. Um, it's all about me, remember, folks. I'll, I'll show you how it's all about me because I'll just go on the screen. Yeah, it's all about me. Not, not about the other two guys in the show. Um, so um, we should also, the other thing that's happened um, also is we've had off-field spats between um, New Zealand rugby uh, and Australian rugby um, around uh, uh this side of things we've seen there does seem we often remember we've had a, a ceo change at new zealand rugby and since then we've seen uh, new zealand rugby seems to have managed to upset everyone else around the world um in administration circles um with the way they've been uh, acting uh so um taking a much more ag aggressive line um in that i don't know if uh, Stephen or Bo, you want to have a comment on on sort of how new zealand rugby seems to have approached international relations over the last uh well since the turn of the year but to me, they do seem to have taken a much more aggressive um, approach to it. I mean, criticising World Rugby for, uh, or criticising all the other unions for, re, for for voting back in Bill Beaumont um, is an interesting move. Um, for example, uh, reaching out to Australian franchises and saying, hey, who would like to come play in our tournament? Um, oh, by the way, we're not talking to, to Australian rugby and asking, we're asking the, the teams directly. Um, and then saying, uh, this. the latest one is, um, you've got to come out of... Uh, quarantine and play two days later um, against us in a test match um anyway up to you guys if you would like to comment or, or, or not on uh, the way that new zealand rugby have been taking um diplomacy this this um uh, <laughs> lessons i i i i saw steve pointing at me so yeah i'll take the lead <laughs> well look uh, interesting times interesting times i i look i actually don't mind the aggression at all because uh with, with this whole safe tackle framework thing, uh, I have been in constant touch with Mark Robinson, a very savvy guy. Uh, he knows what he's doing. And I think he's just trying to get the best possible deal for NZR and, and New Zealand rugby as a whole. So if that means you're going to have to rattle a few cages and ruffle a few feathers, so be it. You know, it's nothing personal. It's all business. And um, also maybe, you know, this is a bit of a paradigm shift we're seeing because... If, if you look at what's happening in Europe, especially with the club scene, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a common occurrence where clubs don't release players and they have this very standoffish situation between the RFU and the clubs. Um, we don't actually see that level of um, sort of, you know, cage rattling here in New Zealand. Everything is, you know, in sync and in harmony. So this, you know, it, to me, this is a bit of a, a, a change, uh, a paradigm shift. And I think, what NZR are doing is they're trying to make sure that they're looking after their best interests, i.e. that all filters right down. Um, and given that the showpiece is the professional um, segment of their rugby, which is, you know, the All Blacks Super Rugby. And given that, uh, you know, COVID-19 has just come along, press the reset button to a certain degree, um, you know, they're just, they're just sort of trying to create a little bit of monopoly for themselves. And, you know, that's not such a bad thing. Only time will tell. So 
we'll wait and see. Time will tell. Yes, absolutely. I think I'll, 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 um, uh, Aaron's there. Yes, it's, it's, it's time. New Zealand rugby stood up and took a strong stance. I think there's, 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 there's taking a strong stance and taking a proactive stance. Um, and then there's also taking a, uh, antagonistic or a, um, stance. Um, and I think from my point of view, and it's, it's, a, it's a personal one, this does not necessarily reflect Stephen or Boa's view. Um, uh, I think they may have stepped over into the antagonising side rather, um, and gone a bit too far. Um, I do, yeah. Clearly, they have to take a strong stance and look after New Zealand, the, the New Zealand rugby. Um, but I think we also need to remember that New Zealand rugby will be strong if world, if if all rugby is strong. Um, and that you grow as a group, you don't grow. And I think um, you need teams to play and people to play against. Um, personally, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Somewhere, somewhere in there, and and lies the answer. My my only issue with with world rugby, I I look at anybody, one of those organisations, as a guardian, and as a guardian, it's it's basically up to them to ensure that they look after. It's it's like your children. You don't look after half a dozen and don't worry about the rest. And that's my issue with 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 world rugby. They don't cover or look after, or manaki, for want of a Māori word, um, which means basically look after, all their so-called, so-called children. And they seem, to, they seem to pick and choose and what they've, what, primarily what they've done with, with their voting regime is, is given a lot of um, unions or international countries more, more rights than what they actually should have. So uh, to be brutally honest, I, I I have no issues with what you're saying, if if world rugby has got their own house in order, and I think we're, with New Zealand, New Zealand, there's a bit of a, a sense of of frustration because um, what, what's that saying? Doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Those are my thoughts. Actually, yes. Okay, sorry. I I I I, 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 I badly phrased it. When I when I meant by I, when I meant growing world rugby, I didn't mean growing the organisation itself. I meant growing the rugby family as a whole um rather than necessarily that necessarily that entity there is what i mean i think you need to i want to mean you, you can't ex, you can't expect you can't try and just look after rugby just in new zealand we need to look after we need to help japan step up and work with them we need to help australia step up and work with them we need the pacific islands to try and grow them all well, together we can grow together um well, is, i guess is where is what i meant well, rather than necessarily well, world rugby itself well there's yeah. well there's something that there's something that they can change at the drop of a hat, in my opinion, and that's the eligibility rule. But they have let they have let let some unions rough ride over that rule because they're scared. They're scared of their their their, their own well-being. So you you create a division that you know that that doesn't cost a lot of money. You know that's just a governance thing. It's easy enough to change. We've seen what rugby league has done. By, you know, okay, there's a little bit over the top movement. Some guys play for one year, but isn't it fantastic to see in, in the league code somebody like Tonga uh, come to the fore? Where to the point they were able to beat the top guys. Um, I don't know if we'll see that in rugby. I want to see Pacific Island teams knock over in New Zealand and Australia, South Africa, it, but it, but it ain't going to happen. Not in the current situation. Are no, you quite right? Um, the and again. Yes, I, um, and yeah, I agree with you on on that. That we do need to do, we do need to change um, uh, the eligibility. But uh, the, I think it's, um, uh, I, I, but I, I would change it to where you've got less than ten caps. You can move, and you can move once. Well, I don't think we, we don't want people sort of playing no. for New Zealand this year, playing for Samoa next year, coming back and playing for New Zealand again. Because hey, yeah. I'm now I've, I've now got an All Blacks thing. Um, so yeah, I agree. Yeah, loosen up the eligibility, but don't go full hog. And make yeah. it totally, totally loose. That'll, that'll change because what what we want, like any competition, and 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 boy, I know it's coming from the Auckland Club competition. We we want every team to be competitive on the on on the same level, and that's that's you know, and a compliance or governance thing like that is easy is easy to do, and that's what yep. I can't get my head round. You wanna you wanna have a world tournament that showcases all these countries and the best teams and you want a little guy to come through. I want a little guy to come through. Yeah, and guys, uh, well, one thing I have to say is, you know, speaking of uh, 
you know, looking after your own interest. Now, if you look at the championship, the rugby championship, uh, South Africa are threatening to uh, not participate because they feel that they are underprepared and they haven't had much top flight rugby. Um, so, you know, online, if you have a, have a look at some of the um, popular forums and sites, there's a lot of banter brewing amongst the fans and, uh, you know, South Africans are being accused of dodging uh, having to play the best side in the world, the All Blacks, and uh, they they promptly uh, revert to their stance, saying, "Hey, we're we're the current world champions, guys, for the next four years." Um, so there's 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 all that sort of stuff in the back play as well. And and the the, the point I'm trying to make is, and and even if you look at how Australia and Dave Rennie have come back and said, "No, no, no, we're we're not agreeing to these quarantine terms." All they're trying to do is, you know, look after their own interests. And, and I completely understand that. Um, and the point which Steve made where, you know, giving the, the little guys a chance uh, from a compliance point of view. Now, if, if you look at all the major countries, the major unions where you have naturalized players who go on to represent their um, representative sites, from... Looking after the smaller guys, maybe going forward, some of the bigger unions might want to actually financially contribute to the Pacific Island nations because essentially what they are doing is helping the islands create better players so that eventually, when they become so good, they can walk into their side and play representative rugby. So there's, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things happening in the background which is actually holding this back, i.e., um, you know, uh, hindering the growth of these uh, smaller unions. And I, I sometimes actually question myself, equality and um, equity, is, is this all lip service or do they actually want to do this? You know, but you know, boy, it, 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 interestingly enough, if, for example, you got a Samoa or a Tonga really strong to the point that they were in the top three or four, how many kids playing in New Zealand of Samoan Tongan descent would all of a one a sudden think it would be fashionable fashionable to play for their play for their country of origin. I'll tell you, they would go in their droves. It's, it's gonna be it'll be the New Zealand rugby's detriment. That simple as that, because these kids will want to play. But we are already seeing that in rugby rugby league where Tongan boys that are playing in the NRL want to play for Tonga. They don't want to play for the Kiwis. And look, it's um a couple of comments in the, in, the, in the live chat there about, yeah, I mean, Charles Peter did have an opportunity to, to, to change and um, get himself uh, qualified for Tonga if he wanted to. Um, but so, yeah, finance, de uh, money definitely came into that one. Um, Aaron says that, look, it's nice thought that you want everyone to be equal, but not realistic. It's not even, it's not realistic, but you can at least aim for it. You know, you're never going to achieve it, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be trying to level the playing field. Um now, when I say criticise uh, New Zealand rugby's approach over the last, um, oh, the, the last of eight months or so, that doesn't mean to say that I think other unions are perfect. No, um, I, I don't think. I, I'm not sure there is a there is a union that is doing a good job at the moment. To be honest with you, um, I think all of them have uh, big room for improvement um, and uh, could could be doing things better. Um, and we do. I think mean, we do see um, a lot of too much. Um, self-interest in the game um, across all of the unions um, to be honest uh, the um, I think one thing we need to we do need to remember is that the world rugby as an entity itself can't unilaterally do things um, it suggests things and then all the unions vote now admittedly the six nations because of they because there's six of them getting three votes each and there's only four rugby championship teams getting three months each it is definitely weighted in the northern in the european to say to say northern hemisphere is wrong um, but in the european favor as to what world rugby does um so sometimes we need to be careful about trying to blame world rugby when actually it's the collective unions voting that's the issue rather than world rugby um itself uh, there's a, world rugby can only do what its members vote to allow it to do at the end of the day hence why we've got bill Bowman back rather than not rather than um, P Show on that one. Yeah, guys, it's a bit of a shame, I have to say. Um, had P Shot uh, being the president, safe tackle framework would have been rolled out in a heartbeat because I, 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 I had a lot of uh, 
uh, you know, a lot of communication with him. He was he's he's someone who was really open to innovation, and he really wanted to uh, you know shake the apple cart. Uh, but I think there was a, a, a lot of pushback, and uh, as you rightly pointed out, most of the nations who uh, voted against, and uh, it was a close call. Uh, but you know that's that's a very political sort of thing, and in every major organization where there's lots of money involved, you know it's it's uh, part and parcel. One thing I do have to say, Paul, is um, last eight months, and you know based on how NZ Rugby have been calling the shots, we have to understand uh, rugby on a global scale. New Zealand has been the most active country, partly because no, not partly, mostly because you know uh, compared to the rest of the world, the whole thing with uh, getting COVID nineteen under control has we've had you know relatively good success, and of course with uh, the layoff and fans seeing how good Super Rugby Aotearoa was, um, they just wanted more and more, and I think New Zealand rugby felt like they had a perfect product which they could go on sale and market, and you know they, they must have felt like they could grow a commercial arm and a leg just almost overnight. And I think some of the decisions which we're seeing and some of the policy and some of the uh, calls they're trying to make is probably based on that, um, you know, commercial, what's the choice of word I need to be using here uh, so that I don't cause too much controversy. Um, commercial strength, perhaps. The, um, and I, I don't want to delve in too far into, um, in, in, <laughs> into politics here. Um, but I remember to say, yeah, uh, the world has been grown on social classes and what we're suggesting is socialism or true communism. No, we're not. What we're trying to say here is you can only have a business. Your, your, your business will grow um, if you have a competitive product to sell. You can only have a competitive product to sell if you've got competitive people to play against. <laughs> if you just look after yourself and don't look after um, a bit like um, if you look at uh, uh, NRL, one of the things that they say is they compete on the pitch. They collaborate off the pitch. It's about collaboration, not necessarily pure equalism. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about um, in that in that side of things. Um, should we have a quick chat about the uh, NR, the Wallaby squad on the assumption they might get over here? Why not? Um, let's bring up the uh, the Wallaby squad here uh, now. Big thank you to Rugby Reg um, on Twitter, um, who has. Uh, split out the Wallaby squad for us into positions, um, which I find very much um, very helpful um, in, 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 in to, to, to lay things out like this. Um, now, one of the things is, if you're going to pick 40-odd players, um, it's a bit difficult to say who, who did he leave out when he's got four teams, to <laughs> five teams to pick from. Um, uh, but so, I mean, Nazarani is the, the number eight, is probably the only, uh, the only what is probably the big name um, that's missed out um, but uh, if we look at um, this, uh, and I think he might need some injury replacements because Haylett Petty um, hobbled off during the semi-finals of Banks, Haylett Petty, Maddox um, at the back there. Don Gunu's been having a particularly good good, uh, good, um, uh, good season. Corbetti, unsurprisingly there. Um, and uh, Ram and Wright, yep. Um, the uh, Hodge, um, Palasami, Pet Pattaya uh, in there. Bit surprised to see Simone in there, to be honest. But um, and Ikatua, uh, Harrison, um, Loliseo, O'Connor, Tamua. He's basically picked all the fly halves there. Um, Loliseo, we have to see how whether he's come back from injury or not. Um, good to see some players from the Western Force in there. Um, I think was Wilson one of the ones in the Western? Actually, maybe not. Um, uh, no, Wilson, there, Wilson, Wilson has Reeds. Uh, Reds, yeah, sorry. Um, the uh, is uh, is in there. Um, still an issue at lock. Uh, I think Hannigan's, Hannigan's more a blind side than a lock, really. Um, and there's talk that uh, uh, he's allowed to add two overseas players in here. Um, and uh, they think that uh, lock might be one of those areas. Um, but otherwise, yeah, looks like uh, a uh, yeah. I think he's picked pretty much everyone that was available. Any uh, any thoughts on the squad, Boa? Yeah, look, I have to say, Hunter Paisami, former Manuka Rovers boy, uh, you know, moved over to Australia, living his dream. So I'm, I'm so happy for him. Congratulations on making the Wallaby squad. But I look at this squad and uh, I have to say, guys, you know, um, 
you know, it's uh, it's a bit of a mismatch if they come up against All Blacks. There are guys in here; they won't even make the fourth best squad uh, representing New Zealand. Um, and you know, to me, this you know, it's 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 just going to be a mismatch right all the way through. Now there is talk of um, the All Blacks not feeling the stronger side um, because of family commitments, etc. Be that as it may, I think uh, the All Blacks have enough uh, depth and talent, given that if they train long enough together, they're just going to completely destroy this Wallaby side in whatever form or shape they come up against. So good luck to Dave Rennie. Lovely guy, great coach, an enormous amount of respect for him. But, um, you know, all that swagger coming from across the Tasman, wanting to call the shots. Uh, all I have to say is good luck to you guys, because you know what? You're going to need it big time. Stephen? Yeah, interesting thoughts there, Paul. They've um, they've definitely gone for a lot of youth. I look at the squad and I look at what I term a 2022-2023 team that should be should be about right at it, at its peak if some of these and that's a question mark if some of these young guys can come through. I'm I'm really excited about Dalguni, who's a really really good winger. Obviously, Jordan Pataya. And uh, Paisami, <clears throat> you know, those guys are, are actually genuine uh, genuine line breakers. But I think right at this moment, Boar, I think you'd have to, I'd, I'd agree with you. I think the All Blacks would own them right now, put it, put it, put it that way. I think I, I'd probably look at them being in, in, in contact for probably 45 to 60 minutes and probably the, the All Blacks with their talent would probably... Um, their talent, depth, strength would would probably be too good. There's some, no question. There's some, there's a couple of world class players that are in the side and guys with a, a lot of um, ability to go on and become very very good international players. I mean to say, I've seen a lot of improvement. Philly Samu and Harry Wilson, the number eights, are very very good, good footballer. But then again, they've they've also got the uh, the likes of Simmons, who's played over a hundred games, and to be brutally honest, he's he's the sort of guy I don't think he would have got anywhere near an All Black squad if he'd, he'd been in New Zealand. He's been around that scene for a long time, and the fact that he's played a hundred games has probably said more about what sort of depth that they've got in the Wallabies. <clears throat> excuse me, at the minute, but I am quite excited about some of their uh, some of their the younger guys in uh, the team as well. Like I like I really do like Tate McDermott, but the halfback. He's very good, but then you've got guys like Nick White, Powell have all been around for a while. And like, if I was picking two halfbacks that I quite like from that scrum, I'd be from that team. I'd be more likely to go for Gordon and 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 McDermott. You know, real guys who can really, really run well and ask a lot of questions. I gotta say, guys, um, in, in in this side, to me, I've uh, I'm only seeing two genuine world class guys who can actually foot it. Man, man, man to man against uh, an All Black fifteen, and that's uh, Taniela Tupo and Marika Korabiti. Everyone else, you know, largely unproven. And you know, guys like Hannigan, um, you know, I wouldn't even have them in a uh, a mighty ten side uh, because you know one of the key stats uh, where when you compare Super Rugby Aotearoa against Super Rugby Australia was the ball live in play on average games in New Zealand were about 3 minutes, 11 seconds more ball being live in play. Now, that's a tremendous amount of rugby. And also, if you look at the average uh, score differentials, you know, we're looking at about a 14-point spread across the Tasman. So, that tells you that there was genuine competition. And also, when, you, when you're seeing guys like, you know, Lachlan Boucher miss out on being picked to a squad, a wider squad, I mean, doesn't that tell you something about the talent? Um, okay. So, uh, uh, undeniably, New Zealand has got much better depth um, than Australia currently. That's that's undeniable. Okay, um, so d definitely. Now, but I think to suggest Hannigan wouldn't make a Mitre Ten Cup side is is a bit is 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 is, is harsh on Hannigan. Um, do I think he is a international class lock? No, I don't. Um, but he is. But some um, decent Super Rugby six, yes, decent. Um, but not a but not an international player. Um, the and yes, they don't have the depth here. Um, there are a couple of injuries away from being in real trouble. Uh, but as a, as, a, as a match day 15, a starting 15, they'll have a decent starting 15. 
are there a bunch of players in here who are um, who are green uh, and and young? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things we've been saying about Australia is they've got talent coming through, um, and what that means is you're going to have to blood it sooner or later, right? They've been they've, they've they made the final of the Junior Rugby World Cup last year. They've beaten the New Zealand um, schoolboys uh, and under twenties the past couple of seasons um, as well. So they've got talent coming through. A lot of it is very young. Pataya, 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 um, really, Adongunu. Yeah, they are. They're, they're showing potential, and they could be really good. Um, and I think, yeah. So I think they'll 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 have a decent fifteen. They'll uh, twenty three. Um, will they match the All Blacks? No, they won't. Um, but I, th- I think they're a better side than your than perhaps you're giving them, them credit for, Bella. Well, what I'd love to see is this same Wallaby squad go up against uh, a shadow All Black 15, where we leave all the top guys out. And I think this year, you know, given that we're coming up out of COVID, it's probably worth an experiment. And that will probably see a, a, a more even uh, competition as well. But if right now, based on the current run-on form, after Super Rugby Aotearoa and also the build-up from my to 10 NPC. Um, if the All Blacks stay together in camp, they train together, they're just going to go obliterate this site. Uh, uh, I think it's going to be a, uh, hiding after hiding. And um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm quite confident to call it as as I see that. Oh, that's just for you. Yep, absolutely. You can. Uh, I'm, I'm more on Stephen's um, side here that, that, that they'll be competitive for six, for, 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 for around about the hour mark, um, perhaps slightly less. Uh, and then they'll disappear. Sure, there might be. I um, mean, they're playing. Looks, they're talking about playing four Bledisloe Cup games. And yes, there'll probably there'll probably be one where they totally, uh, where, where they let it, where where, where it um, does get out of hand early. Um, but I think in in, in most of the, in in, uh, in three out of four, they they should be competitive for the first first hour of each game before losing them. Probably by yeah, I mean they may be losing them by by 30, 40 points by the end. But I think it will be the last last twenty minutes where it blows out rather than necessarily being a drubbing from the start in most of the games. Paul, I was going to say pre, pre, pre-COVID at the, uh, at the top of the year, probably the most impressive side or the side that always impressed me were the Reds. They actually play a, a really good style. I, I mean to say, I, I know the Brumbies are considered the top side, but, you know, really and truthfully, I think you need a little bit more than a line-out line out mall and, and, and drive to, to, to score, your, score your points. They're obviously very, very good at it. But if you come up against much more skilled sides, I think your 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 game plan is going to get found out. But I do like the way the the Reds or the style they look to play. It's a little it's it's a little bit more open compared to the Australian sides. And I think more importantly, Dave Rennie has to find a style that suits these guys that he's bringing through. Because if they they take the mechanical approach, you know, I I personally think they'll get done. One advantage that. Got, that they've got on their side, the Wallabies. I, at least they haven't got Checker. He's no longer in 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 the camp. I actually think he was a, a quite a div- divisive force when he was uh, in 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 the camp. Um, and having uh, Dave Rennie there, a guy who's you know is a cool, calm character. Um, I think it will will basically uh, help the uh, Wallabies moving forward. Hopefully, what we want to see we want to see a good Wallaby team. Yep. Um, talk there about All Blacks staying home. Uh, from what I hear, um, the, there's only two uh, that so far have been rumoured as potentially staying home. Um, and don't forget that the first two Bledisloe Cup games are in New Zealand anyway. So they would be available for those ones. They wouldn't be missing from those ones. So, um, yeah, we're talking about the first Yeah, the first two. Um, the, we did expect there to be a full, a full All Blacks um, selection um, for, um, uh, for, 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 for that one. Well, folks, that's our um, that's our hour up. Um, thank you very much, Boa, for joining us yet again. And uh, don't forget, folks, do um, look out on the New Zealand Sports Radio Facebook page because I'll be posting the video up about that safe tackle framework. So thank you very much for joining us. Very welcome, and, guys. And uh, Stephen, um, thank you. Uh, good to see you again after our 10-hour road trip up to Northland uh, yesterday. Um, uh, I'm uh, nearly forget who, who, forgetting who you were. Thank you, everybody. Don't forget to uh, join us uh, at 8 p.m. next Monday for the Driving Mall Show. 
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.